for NPR Music. You're connected to All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. Sarah Watkins, the singer, the fiddler, you might know from the group Nickel Creek, or I'm with her, or you might know her as a solo artist. She's just made an album for children, and I'm in love with it. The album's called Under the Pepper Tree. It reimagines the song Sarah loved as a child. This is a bit of When You Wish Upon a Star, known best from Disney's Pinocchio. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart desires Will come to you I found such comfort in songs, songs I hadn't thought about or heard in years. And so on this edition of All Songs Considered, a conversation with Sarah Watkins about Under the Pepper Tree, the family of musicians she brought along, and we start the conversation by talking about the album's inspiration. I wanted to find songs that were attached to my childhood and also songs that stayed with me for one reason or another. Over my lifetime, these are songs that have just popped up in my life or at times that I needed them and have served me over the years. Whether that's just sentimental memories of of a good time that I had or uh, because the lyric is a little deeper than than maybe I thought when I was a kid. What was the impetus? Like, to start this, could you take us to the origin story of of this record? Yes. Well, it started... Uh, at the beginning of lockdown, when I I was beginning to understand this need for a rhythm in the house, and meaning a a, a routine of some a sort. routine, yeah, and I started to understand like, oh, maybe this is why people in when you watch Downton Abbey and they change their clothes for dinner, even though they're just with the same ten people, <laughs> but they wear nice clothes at dinner because you need something to signify that the time is changing, and uh, for me. That was often music that would sort of help differentiate between morning and nighttime. I have a toddler, so there's a, there's a nap in the middle of the day. And so sometimes they could just feel like two days as one. And, and it was nice to have this signifier. And um, But also, I didn't really find the thing that I wanted. I wanted to find a record that had some rich, beautiful songs on it, selections that, that meant something to me. And I couldn't really find it. And I think that's why I decided to to make it for myself. And so what was the first song that you did? And when you did that song, did you have in mind, oh, this is the beginning of my record or? I kind of gathered this little handful of songs together for a little live stream. I think I did Lullaloo from Lady and the Tramp. I did Blue Shadows on the Trail, Second Star to the Right, and maybe something else that didn't make the record. I probably did Brahms Lullaby or something. And I thought, oh, what else would I do? What would the other songs be? And then I started collecting Pure Imagination. From Willy Wonka. From Willy Wonka, yeah, which, which I was scared of as a child, but um, <laughs> but came to in my teens. <laughs> and of course, Stay Awake, which is something I meant to record on my first record, and it just didn't really fit. And then it rounded out, and I, I wrote a couple myself. I always knew, it's funny you bring up the record thing, because I always knew that I wanted it to be, I designed it for a vinyl listening. 
So when you imagine this record, side A, we'll call it side A, because this yeah. is going to have a side A and a, and a side B in your mind when you say record, that's what I assume you mean. What's the kicker? What starts you off? Early on, I knew that Pure Imagination would be the first song because it lyrically sets the tone for the record. This is a different record for me, you know, and I wanted that to be obvious to listeners when they put, <laughs> when they got it. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that that it's, you know, I feel like if I had done Blue Shadows on the Trail or or Tumbling Tumbleweeds, people might be like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that fits. It's not totally off-brand. But I knew that Pure Imagination, lyrically, it set the tone. And musically, it begins some, some instrument themes, tonal themes that happen throughout the record. And I thought it would be a, a good introduction. Uh, let's hear a little of it. I'll start right from the beginning, side A. <laughs> The original version is so beautiful. We tried to pay tribute to, to Gene Wilder's version. daughter is how old? She's three and a half now. Is she reacting to this? She loves it. I mean, oh, awesome. Yeah, I think <laughs> part of it is that uh, she's still at the age where familiarity is pretty much synonymous with taste. And, <laughs> and so I'm going to say that happens for most people throughout their entire life. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. Um, I, definitely with me as well. But uh, she... Loves, uh, her favorite song is Night Singing. That's one of the originals on there. She really likes it because she knows that I wrote it about her. And, oh, wow. And she, she always asks, is this you singing to me? And then, and she asks if I was at work. She's like, were you at work when you sang this? <laughs> I say, yes. <laughs> and I was at home. Yes, you were at home and I was at work. And now we're so listening to So the work is the recording studio yeah, for you? Yeah. I love that. Uh, I'm going to play a little of it. Oh, great. And if she were around, we'd hear her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
I wrote this for her and then I realized it was, it was kind of also for me. Is that a favorite part when you sing I love you too? <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite part. <laughs> it's it's so it's so I, I thought writing that song it because this record is for children, I felt like I could say I love you four times in a song without without feeling like worrying about it being cheesy or something. There's a sincerity that I felt like I was able to to have. When my son was born my musical tastes really changed. Like 20s and 30s jazz was really fun to hear in the house. And I couldn't listen to what at the time was a music that was of the day, which was grunge. I just, like, I couldn't hmm. listen to loud, brash stuff. I loved Afropop music was really wonderful. and That's so interesting. So I'm wondering, did your taste change? How did it, how does it affect you being a mom and well, a child? Yeah, I definitely have experienced some of that. Particular, I would say it's most notably changed the way that that like the the shows that I watch and the movies, the stories that I take in, because I just don't have space for trauma portrayed as entertainment <laughs> or drama. But then, like so much of what we watch is you know super violent and not kind. <laughs> and I feel like there's, um, that there's, there's a sensitivity that I definitely have for now because I'm experiencing the world largely through her eyes. And so things that wouldn't phase me before seem so harsh because I'm mm -hmm. thinking of how would, how, you know, how someone is experiencing, she doesn't really even know what a villain is yet. She doesn't know about <laughs> heroes and villains. She doesn't know about a good guy and a bad guy yet. I know it's around the corner, but like yeah. for now, that kind of stuff is just kind of confusing to her. I, I think it's good that that it's made me kind of more aware of what I was taking in, almost like a diet, you know. Speaking of myself as a kid, one of the things that I was surprised that I re I'd forgotten that I loved. As a kid, I grew up in Brooklyn, and uh, the song tumbling tumbleweeds was a song I loved. Now, there were no tumbleweeds in Brooklyn. <laughs> um, but where did you come to love that song? And I'd love to play your version. I am so glad that uh, tumbling tumbleweeds found you in Brooklyn and touched your heart as well. Because for me, it makes more sense. I grew up in the southwest part of the country in Sandy, S Southern California specifically, 
where there are tumbleweeds everywhere and it's annoying and they just drop their seeds everywhere and they look great when they're green but they get brown and then they just <laughs> just like send their seeds everywhere and they're terrible in your yard growing up <laughs> They're so beautiful and, and just like wrapped up in this cowboy life. In Southern California, I feel like a lot of um, niche things find each other. And so bluegrass world, which is what kind of I grew up in, bluegrass and wood would attach to, to like the cowboys mm -hmm. culture of people that, you know, there are still a lot of cattle farms, cattle ranches, and there are people who grew up with horses who still are able to keep horses and ride them and, and maintain a bit of that identity that they had. You know, so much of Southern California began as these old rancheros. So that's built into a lot of our life. And so Sons of the Pioneers was something that didn't feel that far away from me. Huh. Um, and Who did the original version of this, who also featured for anybody who's my age, Roy Rogers yep. as the singer, one of the three singers in that. I think there were three singers in that group. I think so, three and sometimes four. When Nickel Creek started, we often would play these cowboy poetry, like like cowboy events. And in Old Tucson, there was this cowboy music convention. It was Old Tucson is one of those sort of ghost town sets that almost all of your favorite Western movies were, were filmed at. There's, there's another set outside of Los Angeles, but Old Tucson is kind of the place. This was where a ton of, of cowboy Western singers would go. There was a yodeling competition that Chris and I entered. We sort of, Nickel Creek did a very odd record a long time ago called Little Cowpoke, which is a children's record with all cowboy songs, like Back in the Saddle Again, Don't Fence Me In, It's us with very high voices because we were in this scene for a little while. And so it, it actually was, now that I'm thinking back on it, it was a kind of a big part of my life. I want to play some of uh, Tumbling Tumbleweeds, your, your version. And then when we come back, I want you to tell us uh, who is on this with okay. you. And uh, here we go. Rich Hinman playing pedal steel. 
Who's doing the piano? Uh, Tyler Chester, who uh, produced the record with me. And let's talk about those voices. (laughs) (laughs) I was so glad to get my bandmates and I'm with her on this album, um, Sarah Jarosa and Aoife O'Donovan. It's so special largely because, well, because I love singing anything with them, but also because the first couple years of my daughter's life was on tour with them. And so they will always be attached to my parenting experience. And so to have them on this record, which is so different for me, and also just, it feels like it's kind of a a celebration of, for me, of like my whole musical life until now. And and this is a a new point where... um, it feels like a, a benchmark record for me in some ways, not be, not in a be-all, end-all kind of way, but just like a, a marker. This is celebrating all of this music that I got to experience through my life and largely you know, and with people who really have been a part of that life for, for a long time. Um, everyone on this record I've worked with quite a bit, and it was really extra sweet to have them on this song. There's another Cowboy song I want to play, but uh, let's take a quick break. Be right back. I'm talking to Sarah Watkins about her record, Under the Pepper Tree. And you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Brewer Terrence Sullivan shares how brewing beer is often a science, but to achieve the right flavor profile, it can also be an art. The science is the process of making the actual beer, and and the art form comes from the brewer of literally weaving in different hops. They're just adding some nice little zest to it. To learn more, go to SierraNevada.com. Must be 21 years or older. Please drink responsibly. It's All Songs Considered from NPR Music. I'm Bob Boylan. I'm here with Sarah Watkins. We're talking about our new record, Under the Pepper Tree. Uh, there's another cowboy song on this record and another batch of, well, not just friends, but family. Uh, or maybe all your friends are family in some way to perform. As, <laughs> this as, year for as, sure, <laughs> man. I I, um, I was speaking before about having Aoife O'Donovan and Sarah Rose on, on Tumbling Tumbleweeds and how you know they were such a big part of, of my life as I was being a, a mother uh, or learning how to be a mother for the first two years. And... In addition to that, I got to have my other big band in my life, Nickel Creek, on this record. And Sean and Chris did um, did Blue Shadows on the Trail with me, which was extra special because it's from a movie, Three Amigos, that we watched a whole lot when we were kids. And it's a Randy Newman song. I knew I wanted to record this song, but I couldn't imagine doing it without Sean or Chris. And I, it, it looked like it wasn't going to work for scheduling reasons, but we we did figure it out, and I'm so I'm so glad. Were you able to be in the same room? No, Sean and I were in the same room, but Chris overdubbed his part and sent it in, and then we added to it. Arizona moon keeps shining from the desert sky. You know, pretty soon a big yellow moon will lie the way back to the one you like. Blue shadows on the trail. 
just close your eyes and dream, little pal. Dream of someone. Blue <laughs> shadows on the train. It is so hard to make a record that connects both with children and adults and you've really managed to pull that off and thank you it's so hard oh my gosh thank you thank you i i feel like um i I really really appreciate it that was a huge goal for me and we wanted the sonically we wanted it to be warm not dark but you know on that side of things so that just I think so many of us are just really tired of twinkly, high-pitched belly, everything just so high and shiny and sparkly. And and I wanted this record to be mellow and loving and kind <laughs> to both kids and, and adults. And um, I'm sure that a lot of these songs are not familiar to kids just because of the era that they came from. But, you know, maybe there'll be a, a place in their life for these songs. Um, I mean, that's how it happens. You listen to a record as a child over and over again. You don't know its origins. You don't know where these songs came from. You didn't know where Tumbling Tumbleweeds came from when you first heard it. And it was not, I mean, a song from, I'm going to guess, in the early 30s. Mm. Could be wrong, but it's that's the, probably the same distance, 1930, from when you were a oh child. Oh, my gosh. To like, right? You're right. When, yeah, 90 years, between, yeah, I know. Yeah, right. It's crazy. I love it, though. <laughs> There's another beautiful thing about this record, and, and that is that you talked about this a little at the top, where there's an A and B side, yes, and we can talk a little more about that routine, but also that the songs flow from one to another. Yeah. Uh, and it's it just feels like one continuous 20 minutes or whatever it is, <sighs> act in a play, that's not quite right, but... Uh, that's what I was hoping for. I, what I imagined, I imagined this record as an evening record. So, you know, naturally, a lot of these songs are, are on the, the more mellow side of things. And, and I, so I thought, like, okay, after the third or fourth, like, mellow song, people are going to hear a break, and then there's another slow song, and they're just not going to want to hear it. Like, I wouldn't want to hear that. I would just I get the point. I, I, yeah. get, I get it. It's mellow. Okay, cool. And, and I'd turn it off. And so... I, what I was hoping to do was was connect the songs in a way that um, that made it feel like a piece and maybe like a show and yeah, that's it. A show. and that they could uh, that it would fly by. Hopefully, the imagery, the the beautiful you know imaginative imagery in so many of these songs and the melodies, they really can take you for a trip if if you want them to. And um, I was hoping that would be the case. I'm really glad to hear that that was how you experienced it. The record's called Under the Pepper Tree, and maybe there's a cultural reference that I don't know about that, but uh, tell me, uh, I'm going to play a little of this because it's got a beautiful top to it. Um, Tell me about the origins here. Well, uh, this is a tune called Under the Pepper Tree, and uh, I realized, actually, after seeing the beginning of the artwork for the album that Adam Snezik uh, put together this beautiful collage and I was thinking about these pepper trees that have been a part of my life all through my growing up. Pepper trees can be very big around with rough bark that's great for climbing and they're big big branches, big strong trees 
then the branches kind of fall down and these like willowy leaves fall down to the ground and it creates a sort of a room. They're great fort trees because when those little willowy leaves fall, it creates this really soft mat under the tree. So it's just, it's just this beautiful place to play. You can run around barefoot and on this like carpet of leaves and climb these trees or swing from them or just like look up through this beautiful lace uh, that you uh, of of leaves up to the sky, and they're just very imaginative places for me. And I've had pepper trees uh, a part of like every house that I've lived in in Southern California. No yeah, and um, so it just it felt, given that place in my childhood that it has instilled this this very magical thing that I, I I always look at them fondly when I see them. You brought back a memory for me, which is not a pepper tree in Brooklyn, but a pepper tree didn't grow in Brooklyn. But uh, holding an album in my hand, the cover of mm-hmm. a record in my hand, as I listen to records, and I can think of the ones as a child, but I also think of the ones in my teens and 20s that I held in my hand. I, yeah. I still miss that to this day. Describe the cover for those who haven't seen it yet. And is that what you might have had in mind for a child to hold? Absolutely. I wanted the artwork to be worth study. And I wanted there to be discovery in in the artwork. And so I collage seemed like the right sort of thing to have. Jacob Ball, who took photographs for in the studio, he um, was telling me about this guy, Adam Snezek, who does beautiful collage artwork. And I started talking to him about the artwork and the idea of it being lots of layers and, and different textures and things that spark the imagination and can create sort of a surreal picture as different color palettes and textures are being combined and, and shapes and overlap. And, and I love the, the shadow that's created in collage when, when the, the paper over paper, and you can see that depth a little bit there. I love that so much. And so he created this beautiful artwork for the, for the cover, and then you get to open the vinyl and see the book. And I, I just wanted it the artwork to be something that a kid could look at and experience maybe during a listening, maybe they're they're listening more than looking and maybe some other time they kind of forget to listen because they're just t- taken by the way that <laughs> the bark overlays and imagining what these little birds are doing. And so that, that was my hope that, that the artwork and the album together would be a, a place that a kid could go and just let their imagination and their um, just their kind of relax into that dreamland. And it reinforces, that that tangible really reinforces yeah. the memories that you hold on to. I agree. I don't know what it means for someone. You still get the music when you listen to this digitally, but there's something beautiful that you've described of holding a physical object. And yeah, listening. yeah, there's something about that tangible thing. I think, oh gosh, you know, another thing, another reason that, that I really have fallen in love with the record playing experience during pandemic is because I've gotten such fatigue from making decisions. And I don't want to have to decide after every song what the next song is going to be or create a playlist so that I have to like, I don't, I don't want to have to like decide that I want to skip this one because, or, or that the, the algorithm yeah. isn't deciding right for me today. I, I really have enjoyed making one choice and then getting to just not have to make that choice for another hour or so until the record is done and it's been a source of peace for me to just to just put that on and be like we're listening to this and let it go and so that's been also a very real appreciation for the the format this year you end the record with a 
beautiful song that ended the Beatles' White Album, Ringo singing, uh, I think it was a John Lennon penned song, Good Night. Oh, is that right? Did John Lennon I'm pretty write sure it? John, someone will write me if I'm wrong, but obviously <laughs> it's credited to Lennon McCartney, but uh, it was a, uh, a song that he, I believe, wrote for his son Julian. Hmm. It's such a beautiful song, and uh, I never really imagined that I would record a Beatles song because it's well-covered material and f- done fairly well the first time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Tyler Chester, who produced the record, suggested it for this album. I hadn't considered it until then, and it just kind of immediately felt right as we were playing it in my backyard without you know these beautiful strings in production and just playing it in this quiet way. It felt like the right way to end this record, so I'm, I owe this song to him. And it's perfect for the routine. Yeah. <laughs> and the nature of that. Let's go out on uh, on good night. Let's all take a deep breath, <laughs> close our eyes. And I'm so grateful for this record, honestly. I, like I said, don't have a child in my house, but it has been perfect for me. I feel like we offer these like little kindnesses and this very optimistic perspective on kids like oh maybe they didn't mean it like that you, you turn something they said around to try and pivot towards what was possibly a more positive uh statement or something and we don't often do that for ourselves and for each other as grown-ups and so i my hope is that grown-ups can listen to this adults anyone in any stage in life and feel like they've got company and that they have that they're loved and that it can be nourishing in that way Thank you, Sarah Watkins. That's beautiful. Sarah Watkins' new album is called Under the Pepper Tree. I'm Bob Boylan from PR Music. It's all songs considered. Good night, everybody. Everybody everywhere.
Thank you.